discovered something startling about myself. It turns out that I'm a racist, sexist, misogynist. <laughs> this came as quite a shock to me. How did this happen? As a person of color, a single woman with a graduate degree who grew up poor in a home without a father, I had a clear political path to follow, and I followed it. I voted for Barack Obama, twice. After all, we share the same skin color. His father was from Africa, mine was too. What other reasons did I need? I was inspired to see a black man rise to the highest office in the land. I believed his ascent would herald a new beginning, a new era of racial healing and harmony. We would finally have that frank discussion about race that everyone always talks about. I was also inspired by his wife. I was thrilled to see such a strong, opinionated black woman take the national stage. But then something happened, actually several somethings. I realized there was a big contradiction in my own life. I considered myself a free thinker, but I was thinking exactly what I was supposed to. I decided to start asking questions. I belonged to several campus feminist groups. I was even teaching feminism to inner city girls. Part of that teaching involved making the case for abortion. These girls needed to know that they had the right to make decisions about their own bodies. Surely, I thought, that's empowerment. But one day I asked myself, isn't it men who benefit most from consequence-free sex? Doesn't that give them even more power over women? And of course, abortion certainly doesn't empower the woman it prevents from ever being born. When I began to ask my other feminist friends how they reconcile these issues, they just got angry. I was called anti-woman, even by progressive men. But I'm not anti-woman, I thought. I am a woman. I just don't want to be a weak one. I want to be strong, like Michelle. At about the same time, while I was a student at the University of Texas at Dallas, the UT Austin Department of African Diaspora Studies released a statement in which they said, and I quote, African Americans are disproportionately affected by the saturation of our society by firearms. We demand that firearms be banned in all spaces occupied by black people on our campus. Wait a second, I thought, why would you want to ban firearms only in black areas? Doesn't that mean that you either think black people are more dangerous than other people or less worthy of protection? These questions did not endear me to my progressive friends. I was called a race traitor, even by white people. But I'm not anti-black. I am black. I just want to be safe, like Barack. I realized I didn't have a good answer. I only had more questions. Like, why were blacks doing so poorly in cities that had been run by Democrats for decades? Was it racism and sexism that was holding people back? Or was it something else? The more questions I asked, the less popular I became. But here's the funny thing. I started to feel better about myself. I decided that the very definition of empowerment required me to take responsibility for my own life. I wasn't going to be anyone's victim, which meant I had to protect myself. So I bought a gun. I started to advocate for gun rights. That cost me more friends. I joined the pro-life movement and walked in the March for Life. More friends, gone. Then I crossed the line. I voted Republican, the party that views me as an empowered individual. 
able to shape my own destiny, not as a member of a victim group. And that's how I became a racist, sexist, misogynist. I'm Antonia Okafor for Prager University. I hope you guys can hear me. <laughs> so I wanted to play that video because I feel like it does a much better job than I can right now of kind of talking about my whole life in the last, well, five years <laughs> and how I went from, uh, well, let's say, I guess not a racist, sexist, misogynist to, I guess, now a racist, sexist, misogynist <laughs> because I happen to have conservative beliefs. So um, I'm, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed that video. At least I hope you guys did. So again, my name is Antonia Okafor. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Empowered, and I'll talk a little bit more about that soon. But, but first, I want you guys to imagine with me for a second, okay? Picture a young woman on a college campus. Do you see her? Okay. Perhaps she's smiling. Perhaps you picture a blonde. Perhaps you picture a sorority girl. Perhaps you picture a girl with glasses, studious, and clutching a pile of books to her chest. If you weren't already, now imagine that same girl surrounded by darkness. Not complete darkness, it's nighttime. You see the same girl, but perhaps with a couple of street lights illuminating the darkness around her. She's on campus, so those who are familiar with college campuses Perhaps you even add the detail of a couple of illuminating blue lights. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Yes, so those are campus police lights. The tall, sometimes working, sometimes not, pull fixtures that are supposed to help you if you do not feel safe, if you need an escort to your car. Okay, come back with me. Imagine that same girl. Imagine her walking to her car now. Did anyone's countenance on their imaginary girl's face start to change? Does it have a look of worry, of anxiety, or fear, perhaps? If your girl's face started to change, please raise your hand. OK, for those who are young female students, began to change their face. I have a solution. No worries. I want you to add a cell phone in her right hand. I want the phone screen to have 911 already dialed on it. I want her thumb very close to the cell, cell phone button. In her other hand, I want you to add a whistle. But not just any whistle. This whistle was given to her during her freshman year in college, during freshman orientation. It's a rape whistle. <laughs> you know, you blow really hard, a loud sound comes out, and someone may or may not eventually hear you. Does the girl's face look better now? No? Not really? Okay, we'll keep going. Your girl is now walking past the most densely parked area of the parking lot. 
She arrived late to class, so she had to park as close to the line between actual campus and real life. The campus police light pole fixture is behind her now, and the lights of the university's buildings are getting dimmer. But her car is in sight. She has no idea what's in her car. I guess she'll just have to deal with it when she gets there. But we all forget something very important. See, we gave our girl all the tools and options any reasonable girl should need or have access to. But we forgot about the mindset that girl has at the time as well. If your girl wasn't budging that face of hers before, then don't worry. I have a solution for it this time. The war on women, the wage gap. She just finished a documentary called The Hunting Ground, which is about sexual assault epidemic on college campuses. Next week, she's attending the Women's March Convention. Sure, the first one really didn't have anything to do with women. It was more an anti-Trump 2020 political gathering. But I'm sure most women don't even notice that. Her mindset is one prevalent to not just women, but a lot of people today. It's someone else's fault if fill in the blank. And yet, I talk to more young women who feel more powerless instead of powerful every single day. So what happened? Third wave feminism was supposed to answer all of that for us. But instead of the focus being on empowering women about female empowerment, no matter how you choose to empower yourself, it became an ideology of rules focused on radical progressive agendas. But Antonia, I heard that you call yourself a feminist. And I do. Are you pro-choice? No, I'm not. Do you believe in pro-gun control laws? Have you seen my website? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, as long as you didn't vote for President Trump, then we're good, right? Ugh, did you just watch my video? <laughs> Oops, I guess I'm anti-women now. Except I'm not. Now go back to that girl you were imagining before. She's probably already done with her pumpkin spice latte at this point. She's nearing her car and suddenly she notices movement. Think about all the tools you have given her. Now think of that woman as someone you love, someone you care about, your friend, your daughter, your sister, yourself. Now think about all the tools you wished at that very moment that you had given her. I bet whatever you gave her up to that point was a little different now. You guys can all stop imagining this hypothetical girl. You've been imagining this whole time me. I don't look as good with a blonde, uh, with blonde hair, so you can stop imagining that that part now. But I probably would have been drinking that PSL, though. <laughs> I mean, it's October, and I'm not an animal. <laughs> that was me 
every single day. Walking to my car after grad school that ended close to 10 p.m. every night. But I'll get to more of that in a minute. Empowered. What do you envision when you hear that word? Do you see abortions, gun control, radical feminists, man-hating women? We're more concerned with taking your rights away if it doesn't fit their radical left narrative. Or do you see a beautiful, strong, educated, free woman? Woman who is empowered and informed enough to make decisions for themselves, including the decision to exercise their Second Amendment right and protect themselves with a firearm. The latter is what I see. But you listen to any mainstream media outlet today, and you'll see more women like those anti-Trump protesters disguised as women's rights advocates, and less of the brave, bold, and enlightened women like Amanda Collins or Katie Pavlich. Women who understand that a true feminist a true empowered woman understands that the Constitution is for them and enables them to take their own personal safety into their own hands. Just a few years ago, I didn't get that. I voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and 12. I thought that the Second Amendment was just for those old white men. You know, the ones that MSNBC told me that was part of the NRA. <laughs> How dare they advocate for every law-abiding citizen's right to defend themselves? And one day, I actually heard myself saying this, and I realized that I was sick of relying on the government. I was sick of waiting for the government to solve problems in my life. After eight years of Obama, you know what? None of those problems he would promise that he would fix ever got fixed or got any better. In fact, it got worse. In 2015, I was a graduate student at the University of Texas at Dallas. Campus carry, which is concealed carry on college campuses, was being debated for a third time in the Texas legislature. I had enough of hearing tragic story after tragic story of my female peers living in fear on college campuses. The Second Amendment, the right for women like you and I to keep and bear arms, is not a race issue. It's not a gender issue. It's not even an American issue. It's a human rights issue. It's a right bestowed upon me by my creator, our creator, God. But sadly, fewer and fewer people believe that. Ladies, I hope after this weekend that you take one pivotal, pivotal thing from this. If you're not fighting for your rights, then you are losing them. There is no in-between. And that's where young women come in. I realize that the future of gun rights is going to be led by young women, like you guys. Women like their daughters, nieces, and some here, peers that you love and hold dear. Just last year in 2016, I was a Southwest Director for Students for Concealed Carry. 
In Texas, campus carry was about to take effect for four-year universities later that year. Kimberly Corbin shared her story to a group of hundreds at the 2016 Turning Point USA Young Women's Conference in Dallas. And suddenly, it clicked. We can argue about the right or wrong statistics concerning sexual assault and violence against women on college campuses until we are blue in the face. Ladies, if just one woman is affected by violence on campus, isn't that one way too many? I pray that you never have to hear that one of the people that you love is sexually assaulted or attacked on campus or anywhere for that matter. I can assure you that as a sexual assault survivor myself and one that interacts, interacts with young college women like yourselves regularly, there are many, too many, that are affected by this horrendous crime. And so this year, with the help of two other young pro-gun women, I created Empowered. Empowered is a movement of women on college campuses all over the country who feel empowered when they use their gun for self-defense. Whether you're a senior about to graduate college, a graduate student, or a tenured professor, or mother visiting her college or her child on a college campus, having the ability to properly utilize a firearm for self-defense is not only a right, it's real female empowerment. The pillars of empowered are simple. Educate, train, advocate. Educate women on campus about their Second Amendment rights on and off campus. Train them to be able to use a firearm or any other tool for self-defense. Equip and inspire women to advocate for the right to self-defense on campus by being a part of the legislative process. That means testifying when campus carry bills comes to the state legislator and learning how to be effective communicators for our cause, or heck, perhaps even leading them to run for office. Lord knows that we need more li liberty-loving and pro-Second Amendment women in office right now. I decided that I had to create an organization for women on campus that would educate, train, and encourage young women to learn many different methods of self-defense but would primarily be a resource for those women who wish to utilize their firearm for self-defense. You see, the narrative from the anti-gun left is that they believe you, a woman, is not capable of using a firearm for self-defense, that you're more likely to harm yourselves with guns than use it in a case for personal protection. Please raise your hand if you feel that is incredibly sexist. <laughs> I absolutely agree, ladies. That's because it is. Don't buy into it. And most importantly, don't let them get away with it. Call them out. A couple of months ago, I had the privilege of doing just that. I wrote an op-ed for the New York Times titled, Why I Bring My Gun to School. <laughs> and boy, was the New York Times audience not happy. <laughs> 
It took all of 24 hours before the comment section was closed down. The last I looked at it, despite many telling me to avoid the comment section altogether, it was just south of 900 comments. And here are a couple of my favorite ones. This one was from a man. <laughs> the illusion of protection this young woman feels carrying a gun costs 30,000 American lives each year. Virtually none of them criminals. If her gun is ever used, the victim will likely be herself or a friend or a relative, especially a child from an accidental discharge. American society pays a grievous price for this right. And he put it in quotes, right. Or my very favorite comment, the NRA is using you, Miss Okafor. <laughs> You're so much better than that. I know, from a woman. <laughs> You see, there's a reason why modern feminism is also associated with the anti-gun agenda. Because it has nothing to do with women's rights. It has nothing to do with equality. Think about it. If these women, the one parroting the third wave feminist message, really believed in a woman's right to choose, if they really believed that they don't need a man in their life to take care of them, then why don't they embrace your right to take safety into your own hands? Why do they keep you, a law-abiding citizen, responsible and intelligent, from choosing a firearm for personal protection and bringing it wherever you are? Why is it when you step on a college campus, a place students spend at least 90% of their time, that you're suddenly not capable of being a responsible gun owner and using one of the greatest equalizers for protection. Perhaps it's because it has nothing to do with women's rights, but a way to keep us as victims. Sadly, my message will never become mainstream, at least not through current media that celebrates the status quo. The modern gun rights movement, the campus carry movement, is a movement by students and for students. And that's why I'm traveling the country, Canada and the UK, under the Be Empowered Tour that starts this October. I'll be going to campuses na nationwide, and in October alone, I will be speaking at the University of North Texas, Kansas University, University of Massachusetts, Amherst, Southern Illinois University, and on Old Hallows Eve, I'll be visiting the alma mater of the almost first female president, Yale Law School. <laughs> I will be telling women and men, professors, students, mothers of students about their Second Amendment rights on campus and off campus and how we can advocate to change them. I will be talking about the real fact that feminism, female empowerment, and campus carry are not mutually exclusive, and much more. But before that, I would like all of you ladies to take out your phones right now and go on Facebook and Instagram. I want you guys to follow Empowered 
which is on Facebook, at Empowered2A, and Instagram, at Empowered underscore 2A. Empowered is a movement first, and that movement only becomes strong when we are connected. <laughs> that was my fault. I told you guys to take out your phone. <laughs> Ladies, this is the current face of female empowerment. You are the face of female empowerment. In this world of social media, we are able to see it more than ever before. And the anti-gun left is terrified. And they should be. A few years ago, God planted this verse on my heart. It's Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, for the display of his splendor. My mission is clear. Our country only succeeds with empowered women leading it. And I hope that you ladies will join me in this mission. Thank you. And with that, I'll, I, I don't know if we have time for questions, but does anybody have any questions? I would love to answer them. Um, hi, my name is Emily Hensler. I attend Liberty University, and I kind of have a similar story. Um, so when, when people first find out that I'm conservative, I get labeled as just a typical rich white person, which is actually quite the opposite. Um, I grew up in a single parent, a single parent household as well, and I'm actually from an area where in junior high we wore uniforms, not because it was private, but because we had gang violence. And so I come from, like, and I get stereotyped a lot for being a conservative, but what I found is the conservative values and principles is what helped me get to where I am today, because I was on the same track. Like, everyone where I'm from is very liberal, and it's like people wonder why all the time how I didn't en like end up a liberal because of the environment I was in. So my question for you is, one, how can we, in those, like, in communities that we both grew up in, where it kind of, the path is kind of unfortunately paved for people to just follow the liberal way, how can we do a better way of um, voicing conservative principles and showing them that the conservative principles and values is what's going to get you out of the situation and not dependence, but also how can we, at, within the conservative movement, do a better job at making, and I hate to say inclusive, but like making it more accepting and start, like get rid of this negative stereotype of it. So that's just my question for you. Yeah, so with the first one, I think how to do it is to be where they are. So 
one thing about me is that, I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, you know, I just have thicker skin. I've definitely developed a thicker skin as the years have gone on and being in the public eye with this issue. Um, but, you know, like I said, I wrote an article for the New York Times about being pro-gun. Um, and I probably shouldn't have looked at the comments, but they, most of the people didn't like what I had to say. But I did have a couple of people come up to me and say, you know what, I didn't think of it that way. See, the thing is, the problem that we have sometimes is that these values, which, like you said, we grew up with them, the same thing, but we all had different paths in how we are today. Um, my family has those values, even though they voted for Hillary and Bernie last election, right? So it's trying to connect them together. But the thing is, most of them are not going to be watching Fox News or be, you know, reading Wall Street Journal or whatever, or becoming to these events. We have to go to them. Um, and some people are just like, that's not fair. Why don't they come to us? I'm like, well, who do you want to go on your side? Do you want to get them on your side or you want to vice versa because they don't really care? If anything, it's harder now to, in order to get people on our side. So we have to be there. We have to be where they're, they're looking, where they're reading, where they're getting their, their sources. So I wrote an article for All American Statesman in Texas about campus carry. And I talked about the issue of people saying, well, if you're going to bring guns on campus, then you're actually hurting African-Americans because you're making them, making them, like what you guys saw in the video, you're making them more vulnerable. And I said, no, I'm actually protecting them. And people don't see it that way. But you have to be there where they're, where they're at in order to help them see, that, see it that way. If we continue to just stay in our own little spaces, then they're never going to hear a different message. That's an important thing. It's a hard thing. It's not easy because you will get a lot of pushback. But if you, your goal is to change those people's minds, then you have to be there. And that's why with my campus tour, I'm not going to just, just be going to the places that people are really excited to see me. I'm going to go to Yale Law School. I'm going to go to HBCUs um, because I think it's important that they hear that message. So I think you, you doing what you're doing but also expanding to other places, that's how we do it. Um, and then what was the second one? Sorry, I missed the... Inclusive. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's kind of the same thing is that we, examples of people who are not the traditional, what people think as conservative, are out there. I mean, all of us as women, you know, we're supposed to be all these like radical feminists because we're in here, right? But we're not. So we need to be out there telling, whether that's through social media. I mean, I just started through my own personal social media. And then NRA found out about me because I was pretty loud about what I was talking about. <laughs> but that's because I was just like, you're going to hear me. And yes, I'm not the traditional, you know, gun owner. I'm not the traditional activist. Um, and you alone, everyone here can do the same thing. Be vocal, write articles. I mean, when I started, I just started writing articles for free for people um, until now New York Times was coming to me asking me to write a piece. So it can happen for anyone here. Just be passionate about what you believe in. And no matter what, and people are going to try to drown out your voice, but be even more uh, fervent about your message. And people are going to hear it. And they're going to be uh, looking up to you and doing the same thing. Thank you for doing a tremendous job. I have one small suggestion about wording. I think you not only have a right to defend yourself, I think you have a duty. Mm. I mean, 
you're a very important person. Your life is important. You have a duty to defend it. And I think you might try using that word. I think that if they had classes on campus where they had dozens of women taking a CCW class, everybody on campus would be safer and all of them would be safer too. I absolutely agree. Um, it's just getting the mindset of people to, for them to think of it that way. Because people, I actually just tweeted out an article I saw, um, someone just said, their study shows that it's unwise and unnecessary to have campus carry. And I'm just like, okay, and unwise and unnecessary to whom? To someone who's anti-gun, right? So we have to change this narrative of, no, stop seeing the gun as something that's there to only harm you. See it as now something that is there to protect your life, to defend your life. And I think that's what changes people's minds. But yes, I love that, changing right to duty. I agree, you have a duty to protect yourself. Yes, um, I don't know, uh, long hair. Oh, sorry, I'm not in red, in the sweater. I just know you've been. <laughs> Hi, is this one? Yeah. My name is Severa, and I carry the XD9 Mod 2, so I was wondering what you carry. <laughs> and also, I was wondering what your opinion is on current state lines um, policies as far as concealed carry weapons permits goes, because I've moved from state to state, like Virginia, Florida, Washington state now, and I've, it's a new permit each time, but now that I'm in Washington, my permit would work in Virginia, but my permit from Virginia won't work in Washington, so it's really interesting. I just wanted to know what you thought about that. No, and as someone who travels all the time, it's very frustrating. I have a Texas concealed carry permit, um, and it's still really hard, but I carry a Ruger LC9, uh, so that there's that, and I like to wear dresses. No one's gonna change my mind about wearing dresses, so I w wear a thigh holster in order to carry, so just so you guys know about that. <laughs> Um, and if you guys have any suggestions on that, I would love to talk to you guys after if you guys need any, any suggestions. But um, I think, so the NRA actually has a bill um, right now in Congress where they're trying to get it passed, which is called national reciprocity. Basically, it's making it so, kind of like a driver's license. So think of it like that. So every state has their own uh, rules, even ages of when you can get a driver's license. But when you go from Texas to Arizona, you know that you can still drive in Arizona. Same thing with what they're trying to do with national reciprocity. So that's why ladies, you guys call your representatives, you guys call, you know, um, email. That's what I did with Campus Carry. I was calling and emailing people. That is very powerful, ladies. A lot of people don't do that. And the ones who are actually in office are looking at the people who are calling them. So do that, get that stuff passed because that is gonna be a big asset. Because in the, in the end, people are always like, oh, concealed carry. I want law-abiding people to be able to carry where they need to carry. I mean, we want people who are passing these, these background checks and whatever in order to do what they wanna do responsibly. So national reciprocity is happening right now and I, and I think that's gonna be a really good thing because it's gonna be something where the state gets to still determine how you get concealed carry, but at least if you're going somewhere else, it's not, oh, these 34 states, because I'm from Utah and I got this concealed carry permit in Utah versus I got it in Texas and it's le lower, you know? So um, I think that's kind of the in-between there is you can have national reciprocity, but then you can have the states that make that determination on who can get the, who gets it, so. Okay, so uh, when it comes to Arizona state laws, because I'm from Arizona, so we have like some of the most lenient gun laws. We don't need a permit to carry. Um, we can keep it in our car or conceal it open, whatever. It's like very lenient. 
But um, when it comes to college campuses, we can't open carry or even conceal carry. We can only have a gun in the car or like off campus. So for at least my situation, I don't have to target like our state representatives because we already have such lenient gun laws. But how, what are like some um, key selling points to universities to open their minds? And it's like targeting universities instead of our representatives, if that makes sense. Yeah, so actually because well, so for example, with Texas, actually you would talk to your state legislators because they're the ones who are gonna determine for public universities at least, um, if you can have campus carry or not. So yeah, talk to your state legislators. They're the ones who make that determination on, uh, for college concealed carry if, we're gonna, if you're able to have campus carry. So I would suggest actually talking to them and changing that. Thank you. Hi, oh, I guess this <laughs> Hi, I'm Abby Stream from UW-Madison. I actually just brought Katie Pavlich to talk about this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, they were waving fun objects in her face. Uh, yeah, I, yep. I won't give the name. And they, <laughs> yeah. they did the same thing in Texas. They had a big Yeah, protest. I yeah. remember that. I know the people, yeah. Well, we have the, in Wisconsin, we have the problem where um, the school determines where we can carry our guns. So we're allowed to have it outside school buildings. But if they have that fun little sticker in windows saying no wep weapons allowed, we can't bring our like, gun in classrooms in. I, I turned 21 in a year. I really want to be able to defend myself. Uh, so I guess going back to her question, I was going to ask the same thing. How do I sell that to my university? I mean, obviously, I'm trying to go through the, the legislator to try and get them to change it to, like, mandatory, like, allowing it everywhere. But Yeah, well, that is definitely an option uh, because there are a lot of states, actually, that have campus carry in that form. People don't know, like, Oregon actually has it. But because... Because they make it where, oh, the university can say you can have it or not, um, they try to do the same thing in Texas, actually. So I got on board with Students for Concealed Carry um, right after they passed it. And then what they really wanted to do was do the same thing, where it was almost virtually impossible for anyone to carry their gun on campus. And so literally, I was a public policy major. So I was like, literally every single, uh, every single university I was making sure that I was like, okay, what is your policy on this? And then you figure out, for example, UNT, University of North Texas, they wanted to make it where up to a week before any type of performance or before a speaker was gonna speak that they wouldn't allow anybody to have their gun in that vicinity. I mean, things like that, where it's just completely impossible for anybody or nobody would actually wanna carry. So I think, and it comes down to that, especially with private universities where even if you do talk to your state legislators, I do believe in private property rights and that they should determine if they want to have it or not. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that there can't be a grassroots movement on the college campus to get those things changed. And with what happens with government, too, is that there's a student government in your, in your school. And they make a lot of decisions. And they can say yes or no. Um, but that's why it's important that young women like us are in student government and we're making decisions. I can't tell you how important that was, not only on a college campus, but when they are lobbying to the state of yes, our school is pro-campus carry, or no, our school is not pro-campus carry. So I would say lobby both. And, and unfortunately, yeah, we had to deal with that too. Um, but you know, changing people's minds, helping them realize that, hey, are you gonna be there in not a minute? Are you gonna be there in seconds when I'm, you know, I'm walking home? Can you protect the people that I know that have been sexually assaulted or been assaulted in general? No, they can't say that. Sorry, they can do as best as they can. But and it comes down to it, it's important that we remember that we're our best self-defense. 
so yeah you're welcome yes in the red with Hi. the long hair too yeah. <laughs> oh. oh sorry sorry you guys can determine who Hi, my name's Megan. Um, I'm from Texas as well. Oh, yeah. So Texas girls. <laughs> um, I am a big fan of everything you're doing. Thank um, you. But I did have a question. So um, last week, I don't know if anyone, or this week, if anyone heard about it, there was the incident that happened at Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. And so I am uh, very much pro-campus carry, but a lot of people have been saying that Texas shouldn't have campus carry because of the shooting that happened this week. And so I was going to ask you, what is your response to people who say that? Yeah, well, my response is always, I like to educate people first. And the, the thing is with that one was, in fact, Texas Democrats tweeted out right after that happened, irresponsibly, um, that th you know this is why having concealed car carry on campus is dumb and dangerous, they said. And they quickly t uh, deleted that because information actually came out. And the information is that the suspect is 19 years old, and you can't get your permit at 19 unless you're active duty. So there's that. <laughs> so he wasn't a concealed carry permit holder. Um, and then also it was because they found drugs in his, um, in his apartment. And that's why he even brought, was brought back. So um, that's the thing is a lot of people think, oh, campus care, you're going to have all these people with guns on campus. No, for the most part, you're 21 years of age and older. You're passing your, ma your background check, your criminal background check, your mental health background check. You're doing all this um, training in order to even get it. I mean, law, concealed carry permit holders are one of the most law-abiding people, not because I, I think so, because I'm one, but because studies have shown again and again that they're more law-abiding than even the general public. So actually, Texas the Department of Public Safety in 2005 did a study and showed that, um, that concealed carry permit holders are actually more law-abiding than the general population. So I think that's the most important thing is that we, when people try to make it about that, they're doing it based on feelings and really no studies or type of um, information to back it. Make sure that you're always on top of all that because they're gonna try and use your ignorance in that matter in order to uh, try and up, one-up you, but it's not gonna help when you know what you're talking about. So um, I would say that's the biggest thing is that always know what's going on when, it com when that type of stuff happens because you'll find that it's not concealed carry permit holders. Well, thank you. What a fine talk on how guns empower women. I appreciate that. We were talking at lunch about another area oh. of her life, and I thought you all might like to know a little bit about how she's going to be Miss Texas and how you're doing it and why you're doing it. And uh, I know everybody would be interested in the details if you would go to share it. Yeah, thank you. I was thinking about it, too. I was like, oh, she's going to really want I don't think we're going to have time, but thank you for bringing it up. <laughs> Um, so I am competing in Miss Texas USA. <laughs> um, I'll be competing in January, so love your uh, support there. But yeah, I'm going to be doing that. And a, a part of that too is that's why loving conservative women is that we're not afraid to be, you know, you know, girly and beautiful and intelligent and have guns too. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm going to actually kind of rep representing that type of person because if you guys haven't noticed. Patterns are getting a little political these days, too. And unfortunately, they're trying to push out women like us um, out of, um, as if we're not pro-women and we can't be, um, we can't hold a title because 
oh, God forbid, we don't have spout this anti-Trump rant for like five minutes <laughs> and then win like Miss America did. Um, so uh, I'm not trying to watch someone here be like, oh, I she's bashing Miss America. I am not. I'm not bashing any of the pageants, but I think it's important to have diversity in all aspects, especially um, intellectual diversity um, in all areas. So yeah, if you guys have any questions about that, this is my second pageant ever. So it's my first time in Miss USA, uh, Miss Universe system. So um, unless someone else has actual suggestions for me too, that would be great. I would love that. But yeah, I'm doing that in January in Houston. So I'm excited. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> one, I think we have time for maybe one last question here. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Antonio. Thank you so much for being here. Um, my name is Miranda Hoover. I go to the University of Nevada, actually, where Amanda Collins was mm -hmm. sexually assaulted. And mm -hmm. Um, she is an idol to me just like you are as well. So thank you so much for being here. Um, my question for you is, um, I think a big reason that women are so afraid of the Second Amendment and kind of getting on board with you know, Republican ideologies is that they're afraid of firearms. So how do we as you know, young women, college students, you know, in the future, how do we get our, our friends that are Democrats or are afraid of firearms out there and get them more comfortable to say, go to a gun range, you know, with us or with an instructor or, you know, even with a police chief and learn about actual firearms and how that actually empowers them as women and then allow them to make that decision. Yeah, well, thank you for the great segue into talking about my organization, <laughs> Empowered. So that's exactly why I started that organization because, you know, I didn't grow up with firearms in my, in my house. Like I said, my family, they voted for Bernie and Hillary. That's not usually the pro-gun type of people, um, even though there are some. But uh, I didn't grow up with that at all. And in fact, even as an activist, uh, my first couple of years, I didn't have a handgun until I got my concealed carry permit. And so even then, I didn't really want to carry because I was a kind of afraid. Like, well, if it does, like, just start shooting people, I don't know. You know, you don't just, you don't, you don't just um, automatically know what, how a gun works by birth, you know, especially if you didn't grow up with it. And I think that's the majority of, uh, especially women going to college campuses, I think they have um, already kind of this way of living that tends to be more not on that side. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to be like more PC right now. Like they don't tend to have guns in the home or if anything on, on campus are more liberal or come for that type of uh, family of upbringing. So um, I think it's important that we invite those people, whether they're conservative or not, and we invite women um, or men and we take them out to the range. We, we talk about how to safely hold a firearm, how to uh, safely, if they're gonna have a firearm, how to um, be a responsible gun owner, but it takes us kind of inviting someone to those those spaces and um, showing them that it's not scary, that it's something that can be dealt with in a responsible and safe way. And when they see that and they see someone else just like them doing that, that it's not just, oh, this older white man from the NRA who has a gun, right? <laughs> and it's this woman just like them, then I think that really opens up conversations. And they can decide they still hate guns after that, and that's fine. But at least they know that in their own life that it's something that they can utilize and they can utilize safely. So I think just starting there, just like if you're gonna invite someone to church because you want them to, you know, or whatever, you know, you would start out with inviting them to see the message and, and to experience it for themselves. So I think that's how we start. Thank you. <laughs>